0: It's interesting to me, it has definitely captivated me in the past several years, more than before, this fact that those who knew the Scriptures best, those who had studied and had it all figured out, they knew how it was going to be, they had developed a blueprint, and give them credit, that blueprint was based on their perceived interpretation of Scripture, But somehow these are the very people that missed Jesus at his first coming. And for some reason, the ones that were a little bit more distant, the ones that were aware of what Scripture said, but not as committed to coming up with the exact details, the ones that were just humbly watching and ready, they saw him. They found him. Oh, they were also somewhat surprised. See, they didn't either know exactly what they were expecting to see or where they were expecting to find him. They hadn't developed a blueprint. And maybe that's why they were able to see him. They were open. They were just humbly watching and ready and willing to see the Messiah However, he would decide to show up. I feel like the wise men are actually an incredible example of this. By the way, um, maybe you've heard this before, but it has been said that there is no way that a miracle birth of this nature could happen again in this day and age. And apparently the reason is that it is impossible to find three men who would be willing to stop and ask for directions. I'm really not quite sure why it is that men have for years already had this bad rap about this asking for directions thing. We men are actually very good at following directions. I heard of this couple that were going to a wedding and they decided to take another couple friend along. When they get to the place where the wedding is to take place, the driver pulls up to the front door to unload his passengers. And the woman in the ride-along couple at the back, she kind of jabs her husband and says, Dear, when we go places, why wouldn't you be willing to do what this man does? So sweet of him to drop, drop us off at the door. The husband thinks for a moment and makes a bad decision and says, If I would do that, then who would tell me where to park the car? I'm going to make a run for the front door here when I'm done. Directions. Like I said, most men are actually very good at taking directions. But let's not digress. Let's get back to these wise men. They are an incredible example to us. They were clearly also waiting. Something that we have talked about a lot here in the past month. Waiting. And I have really, really enjoyed the time that we've spent talking about waiting. A few times, though, I've been just a little bit concerned. I've been a little bit concerned a few times because I was beginning to wonder if we were conveying too much the impression that waiting is a passive. Activity. Just sit and wait. Wait for the world to come to me. Oh, and in this case, just sit and wait for Jesus to come to me. Wait for Jesus to reveal himself to me. Wait for Jesus to come and solve my problems for me. See, the word waiting can easily kind of take us there. Because when we wait, we often just wait. We don't do anything else because we are waiting for someone or we are waiting for something to come through for us. And so we're just sitting and waiting. And I've often wondered, as we've been talking about and thinking about this waiting this past month, for Jesus to come and waiting for Jesus to show up, are we in danger of slipping into kind of a A passive mode of waiting. Because that's actually not the kind of waiting that we've been trying to speak about. Luke chapter 12, verses 35 to 36, Jesus is telling a little story. And in the story, he says, Be dressed, ready for service, keep your lamps burning, like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. Humbly waiting, yes. But not simply sitting and waiting for Jesus to do it all. Like I said, I think the wise men are a great example of what healthy waiting looks like. What it looks like when we are waiting, ready to immediately open the door when the bridegroom arrives. Actually, I think both the shepherds and the wise men are pretty good examples of this. Uh, And maybe there were many others. We don't know. But the two of them, the two groups, kind of, they have their accounts recorded in the books of Matthew and Luke. And so that's what we often focus on. So the day arrives. The announcement is made. Jesus has arrived. The Messiah has been born. And no sooner do they get that news than they were up and on their way to see him. They were dressed and ready, humbly waiting, but ready for immediate action. That was not passive waiting. So much of what we're going to say this morning is, uh, is focused on the wise men. It could also apply to the shepherds, but it's focused specifically on the wise men. You can read the story about the wise men. We're not going to read it through here together this morning, but you can read it if you would like, and I'd encourage you to do it in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Incidentally, I found this interesting. I believe I've mentioned it here before, so if you've heard this before, then this may have been where There's an interesting record, uh, actually, in secular history. This is what it says. Among those who were involved in the advanced astronomy of China in the court of the Han rulers at approximately the time of Christ's birth was a chief astrologer by the name of Louis Zhang. He discovered a new star, the Chinese called the King Star, and then he disappeared from historical records for a period of approximately two years. That actually gives me goosebumps. About the time it would have taken to travel the Silk Road, which was in use already at that time from China to Bethlehem, was Louis Zhang, one of the astrologers that went to find Jesus. We don't know and we never will know, but it is an interesting coincidence, nonetheless. So from the experience or the example of the wise men, let me make a few observations that I believe apply to us as we challenge ourselves to humble, ready, waiting. First, believe that he does appear. Do you believe that Jesus appears in your world? I'm sometimes a little jealous of those living many years ago where there was a more consistent belief that God is alive and that He does appear to us. He is actively involved in our world. and Maybe in some ways that's actually still the case in many cultures around the world. Everyone believes, in many of these places, everyone believes in the spirit world. Everyone is spiritual. When we were in the Philippines, we found this to be quite true there, actually. Um, No sooner had you met someone, and they would already be asking you about your spiritual beliefs. It was just assumed that everyone was spiritual. And then you might be Christian, you might be Muslim, you might be something else. But it was assumed that everyone is spiritual, and that the spiritual dimension is a reality in our world. I'm sometimes jealous of those types of cultures that have a much stronger understanding of the reality of the spirit world. It is simply a given. The spirit world is as real as the physical world. It seems like we've come so far in our scientific way of thinking that we, and maybe I should say I, because maybe I should just speak about myself, by default have slipped into a way of thinking that does not give a lot of credibility to the spirit world world. If we can't see it, or touch it, or smell it, or taste it, then it obviously doesn't exist. I would suggest that in general, the Christian world has kind of slowly slipped into that assumption also. Um, Many cultures around the world would think that we were completely silly For having basically, as a culture, negated the reality of a spirit world. So here we have these wise men. The Bible also calls them astrologers. They assumed the reality of the spirit world. It was a part of who they were. They assumed in their world who they were. They assumed that that the spirit revealed himself, the spirit world, God, whoever that was revealed himself in the formations and positioning of the earth and the stars and the planets and the greater cosmos, and that there was spiritual significance to how all of this lined up, and that if we would be watching, and if we would be listening, and if we would be aware, then we would see and understand and hear the spirit world through the cosmos, And we might be very critical of that because it reminds us of all kinds of stuff that we call superstitious and demonic and everything else. But here's the thing. They believed they believed that God makes Himself known to humanity. And I'm a little bit jealous of that. And because they believed and because they were paying attention, God could make himself known to them. He did reveal himself for them. They were rewarded for the way that they thought. And so for simplicity's sake, I think it's fair to say, that has to be the first step in this humble, ready waiting. To believe. To believe that God is among us, and God will reveal himself to us. So let me ask you again. Do you believe that Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, appears in your world? I'd like you to answer that for yourself. Do you believe that God appears in your world? Maybe... Maybe I can just challenge you, if you're floundering a little bit with this question, maybe I can challenge you to begin by by praying, God, please help me to believe that you actively show up in my world. Then, I said from the get-go, the type of waiting that we want to speak about this morning is a a, a kind of a ready waiting or an active waiting. So if we go to step number two, uh, I'd say, from the example of the wise men, we must be willing to look for him. Yeah, you need to, you need to be willing to kind of lift your eyes and, uh, can we say, get off your spiritual couch and look. You might be surprised what you would all see if you simply believe that he does show up and then you began to take the time and were willing to spend the energy to look To look with anticipation that you were going to see something. Again, let's use the example of the wise men. By the way, if you agree with some of what I say here this morning, I'm totally okay with that. Um, I'm totally open to your opinions. I'd love to hear them actually. and Actually, maybe more than opinions, but your experiences, I'd love to hear them. But here we have the wise men, and so we'll continue to follow their example. These wise men were willing to persevere in their search for this king. We don't know a whole lot about the details of their journey. We don't know exactly what their circumstances were. We don't know for sure that they traveled with camels, although it would make sense given the time and the distance. It says they came from the east. Likely that meant, according to scholars, that they came from China or from Mongolia or maybe from both Um, We know that it started with a star. It started with a star and some type of a supernatural revelation that this star had some kind of a very significant meaning. We also know that it kind of ended with a star. At the end, again, the star appeared according to Matthew chapter 2. The last leg of their journey was again orchestrated by this supernatural star. We also know that they assumed... That the present king, who was King Herod, would somehow know about the birth of this new king. And so that's where they went first. Maybe it was a matter of respect. Maybe they were truly looking for knowledge. We're not totally sure. But they went to King Herod to inquire where this new king was to be born. Herod was a little taken aback. He consulted with his wise men, his scholars, who subsequently came up with a conclusion that this baby Jesus or this baby king, had been born in Bethlehem. So Herod gives the directions to the wise men, as you heard earlier here in our little drama, that they are to go and find this baby king, and if they would please, before they head back to their country, come back via Jerusalem and let him know where they found him, that would be fantastic. Obviously, that didn't happen, and when Herod finds out that it didn't happen, rage and jealousy, they kind of mix together, and Herod does something very uh, catastrophic, and he makes this decree that all the little baby boys are supposed to be done away with. Uh, everybody up until the age of two, and so we put all of this together, and we we kind of assume that it might very well have been a journey from these wise, by these wise men that took a good, uh, the better part of A year. The distance, some of this, uh, the details here, uh, they were probably on a search for this baby king for a good part of a year. Now, slowly, methodically, if they truly were traveling with camels, uh, which we believe, persistently, actively looking for Jesus because they believed that God, whoever that is, shows up in our world we sometimes speak about spiritual dry times i think all of us have in some way shape or form experienced them sometimes it's a week or two or three or a month or two or three maybe it is a year or years certainly that can sometimes be the case also is it fair to say keep searching keep looking Keep on believing and looking. Sometimes the light will be bright, as we believe it was for the wise men when they began their search. Sometimes the light becomes dim. Sometimes the light may actually disappear, as it seems to have here for the wise men. But they continued searching. No doubt there were a lot of unknowns, but they kept following the light. In our world, too, it sometimes looks very, very dark. Sometimes it feels very alone. It may be so bad that there's only one small star left in a sea of black. And all I want to say here this morning is follow that star. Keep on believing. Go to where there is that little speck of light and keep on believing, as the wise men did, that the king is there. For the wise men, it ultimately led them into the presence of Jesus. And let me throw in a little side note. The wise men were humble enough to ask for directions. They didn't just ask for directions from other astrologers. They didn't just ask directions for, from each other. They were humble enough to believe that they needed input from others also if they would truly find this king. So believe. Humbly look. Search. And then let me add, in unlikely places. I'm not sure if you have a bit of a preconceived idea of where and when Jesus might or should show up in our world or in your world. Well, he should for sure show up during my quiet time, you know, while I'm having my devotions. He should for sure show up if I go to this big conference or this big event. For sure he should show up when we get into this big corporate worship time. And, and where people just get really into it, and hands are raised, and eyes are closed, and, or He should show up when we're listening to good Christian music. He should also be here when you come here to Pleasant Valley. If I want to meet Jesus, I should for sure go to church. I mean, after all, it is God's house. And there's a growing phenomena that I've noticed in the past 10 plus years or so. It seems as though more and more people in our world are ditching Church. But, 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 they fully believe that they can still be in touch with God and Jesus. They can be good Christians and not go to church. And part of that makes me sad. But, part of that actually makes me very excited also. Because Jesus is not confined to a church. Jesus shows up all over the place. Jesus shows up everywhere, and the New Testament is very clear that now you are children of God, you are the temple of God. See, I wonder sometimes if fundamental Christianity is almost at the same place where the Jews found themselves 2,000 years ago. You can only meet with God in the temple, you can only meet with God at church, you can only meet with God at some big event. Jesus came and radically challenged that way of thinking. He was very clear. I am not confined to a building anymore. I am not confined to a certain group of people anymore. I am not confined to a certain social status or a certain economic status. We talked a little bit more about that on Christmas morning. Jesus is not located anywhere. He is everywhere. Everywhere. The wise men started their search for this king. status quo. Surely a king would be born in the capital city, in the palace, that's where they went. But then they looked back at the star, and then they followed the star to a very, very unlikely place. Many people could not believe in Jesus because he did not show up the way they thought that he should. Many people could not believe in Jesus because he did not act the way that he should. He did not speak the way that he should. He did not associate with the people that he should. At one point, someone was being invited to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and he said, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? He was not who he was supposed to be. He did not fit their blueprint. I think you heard the disbelief in the voice of the reporters in the little skit earlier. They could not believe that the wise men were going to be leaving their country after they had found Jesus there. I mean, surely you're going to want to stay here now and be close to Jesus. And the wise man says, you don't get it, do you? We're going back to our country and Jesus is there too. He's already there. He's not like you think he is. I think we often don't get it either. Often we think that we will find him in certain places and there are other places where we will not find him. I believe one of our greatest challenges is to begin to look for Jesus where you do not expect him. Matthew chapter 25 says that when we stop to connect with people, the poor, the average and the rich, then we're connecting with Jesus. And when we host people, then we are hosting him. And when we stop to help people, then we are helping him. The Bible could not be more clear. Jesus is here. Jesus is sitting right beside you right now. And he will be at your gathering this afternoon. And on the street when you go to Winnipeg later on this week. And behind the counter when you go to the store tomorrow. Open your eyes and see him. See Him in the people you meet. See Him in His creation. See Him in the words of songs. See Him in your life circumstances. Don't put God in a box and tell Him when and where He can reveal Himself to you. And don't expect Him to work and speak to us only in the ways that we're comfortable with. That's what King Herod and the other Jewish leaders were guilty of. You might be sitting there and thinking, Yeah, yeah, I I get all that, Darren. I'm, I'm good with that. But I am waiting for the real Jesus to show up. The big second coming. You know, Darren, you know the one where he's going to come in the clouds, riding on a horse, wearing white robes, blowing a trumpet? That's what I am watching for. That's what I am waiting for. And I'm tempted to say, hmm, good for you. I'm actually not convinced that it will be like that. No? So then how will it be? I don't know. See, I don't want to focus on a blueprint. Because I'm scared that if I focus on a blueprint, then I perhaps, like those religious leaders back then, I I might miss him. I want to see him now. I want to see him here. I want to simply focus on humble, ready, waiting. Because I believe that he shows up all over the place. All the time. Let God do what God wants to do. You keep on believing that he does reveal himself. Keep on looking and searching for him and be willing to look in unlikely places. It's time to conclude. And finally, know that if you look, you will find him. The wise men found him because they did not quit looking. They did not give up. In some ways, we may have already mentioned it the word persistence or perseverance. Yeah, sometimes it does feel like there are dry times where we do not hear from him or see him for extended periods of time. Keep looking, keep believing. Follow the star, however distant and faint it might appear, because you will find him. He is in the waiting. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, It's the chapter in the Bible where it talks about and it commends all those who persevered in their faith, even when things weren't working out the way they thought it should. Hebrews 11 verse 6 And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. That is faith. That is humble, ready, waiting. So, Jacob and Joyce Waldner sang a beautiful song together here on Christmas morning, Sorry for all those of you that missed it. I wanted them to sing it here again this morning. But Jacob is here alone. And he said he couldn't do it without Joyce. So this will be second best. The same song that they sang. Except it's going to be sung sung by Zach Williams and Dolly Parton. And that is going to be our closing song for this morning.